scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I invite you to open up your Bibles and read along with me. Paul's ministry to the Thessalonians. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you who we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses... And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each other, one of you, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom of glory. This is God's word. Thanks, Paul. Good morning, Solano Church. It's been a full day of energy already, and um, yeah, I'm very grateful to be here. Um, my name is Miguel, and I get to bring the message this morning, and um, yeah, today we're going to talk about distillation. Um, we, this is our second week in our series on First Thessalonians, and so today, I, didn't, I don't know if you realize, but you actually stepped into chemistry class, so please put on your goggles and... Um, and your lab coats. So we're going to talk about distillation. And in in layman's terms, which that's what I am to science, uh, distillation is the process of separating out the distinct substances of a liquid based on their boiling point. And yeah, we've all benefited from this. uh, I got the the, uh, scientists jeering at me. Is that right? Okay, all right, great. Please stop me at any point if you... (laughs) Um, So there's a lot of great uh, products that come from distillation. I've heard even like lip balm comes at times from crude oil. Um, There's another one that you might enjoy more, which is like your uh, favorite whiskey, uh, comes from the process of distillation. Um, But for the Thessalonian church, they too reaped the benefits of a holy distillation process, which we're going to get into. And that is that Paul and his apostolic team, which is Silvanus and Timothy, um, they went through this severe hardship before they were even able to share the good news. And sometimes God in his sovereignty allows the distillation process of adversity to purify our hearts in order to share the gospel in a worthy manner. I think I have it there. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Thanks, Lucy. We're fighting for control. 
No. But yeah, in, in loving wisdom, God allows his followers, that's all of us, to go through a process of holy distillation so that our very lives become the gospel message itself. And so here's my little Bunsen burner. That's like heart and flesh and everything. And then as the heat of holiness happens, um, stuff rises. And through a cooling process, God then takes all of that, the good stuff, and collects it. And I hope that this visual message will help you understand what we're talking about today. So let's, let's see it how Paul describes it in chapter 2. So this first idea, if, you want, if you're like a note taker, I'll have f- three or four main ideas that you can take notes. This is the first one, is idea number one, suffering helps prevent impurities from tainting the gospel message and its messengers. Suffering helps prevent impurities impurities from tainting the gospel message and its messengers. So what is what is Paul what do I mean by this? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 it says, "For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, our coming to you was not in vain. It was not fruitless. It was not empty. But though we had already suffered and shamefully been treated at Philippi, even as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel in the midst of much conflict. So right from the first two verses, Paul tells the Thessalonians, look, fam, you already know that our gospel message has borne fruit. Why? Because they, you know, they are part of the fruit. This happened in spite of challenges and persecutions in this place called Philippi which Paul ended up writing a letter to the Philippians. Um, They had boldness in Philippi to declare that Jesus was King, Lord, and Savior of the world. And if you read in Acts 16, you'll see what Paul is talking about. And we don't have time to go there, but I will summarize it. He and this guy named Silas, who's actually the same as Silvanus, so it's like Miguel Miguelus, okay, Silas, Silvanus, um, and Timothy, the three of them, uh, they were all in Philippi spreading the good news. And while they were preaching and they were going to the houses of prayer, there was a woman with a spirit of divination um, who was following them around and yelling out, these guys are the servants of the Most High. They're telling you how you can be saved. That's kind of ironic, right? Doesn't sound like persecution, and it's kind of funny. Like, she was doing the work for them. Hey, that guy over there, he is a servant of the Most High, and if you want to be saved, listen to what he's saying. Um, Well, eventually, Paul and Silas and Timmy, they get fed up, and they free this woman from that evil spirit. Well, this lands them in jail, and after getting stripped naked and flogged and thrown in jail, they muster up the strength while in jail to sing songs of praise in the midnight hour. And I don't know if you remember the story, but God hears their song, and he, the whole place shakes, and the jail cells open up, and the jail master, he thinks that they've escaped. He's, he, he's woken up by this thing. 
And he, the jail master, is right about to kill himself. And Paul and T- Timothy and Silas say, hey, don't do that. Um, the, he ends up, uh, they end up sharing the gospel with him. And uh, his whole family and his household gets saved. But it comes with this cost of suffering, right? They were beaten. They were flogged. They were thrown in jail. They were harassed by this evil spirit through this woman. So Paul is reminding the Thessalonians, hey, you all know we were already mistreated in Philippi, but we came in boldness to preach the gospel of God. All right, idea number two. Approval from God keeps gospel messengers from falling into the naughty list. And it's a play on words. I love play on words. It's so fun. So approval from God keeps gospel messengers from falling into the naughty list. What do I mean by the naughty list? Well, if we look at our next section, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, Paul has this, you can't really see it in, in English. Well, you can see not. But there's a lot of, in Greek, it's the ouk. It's O-U-K, O-U-K or kappa. Um, not springing, our appeal to you was not springing from error. It was not from impurity, not for any attempt to deceive. But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We did not come with words of flattery. We did not come with pretext for greed. God is witness. We did not seek glory from people, neither from you nor from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So this is the not naughty list. All right. Deceit, impurity, deception, people pleasing, flattery, greed. Praise of man. We're going to expand these a little bit. The first one is error. So this is like if your message is wrong. Like you can, you can be very convinced of something and you can be wrong, actually. And so this causes people to stray away, to meander, or to wander away from the actual truth of the gospel. The second one is impurity, or this is a corrupted message. And I find it very fascinating that this is the same word used to describe the unclean spirits. So the unclean spirits was this mixture of holy things and unholy things. So it's been corrupted. Uh, number three is this, uh, this idea of deception or guile. Um, guile is not just a player in Street Fighter that you can do. Guile is meaning like underhanded methods or foul play or being manipulative. The fourth one is people-pleasing, fear of man. And I think this one, this one is like, it's kind of sinister because fear of man actually holds us back from the truth because we don't want to hurt people's feelings, right? This, today's society, we love our feelings. Um, the fifth one is flattery. Or I put, put down here pop rhetoric. This one's interesting because in the day, um, there was this practice in the Hellenist societies where people would actually hire uh, people, <laughs> people would hire people that were good with speech. Or, you know, maybe you've heard this, they had the silver tongue, you know, this guy has a silver tongue. 
So these, these orators, these, these speakers, they would get paid to say certain things or even be hired to praise certain political figures, and they'd go out in the, in the, in the, um, in the, in the common places. Um, this was, you can think of like propaganda. Before billboards, there was people that people would pay to go and say things. And so um, the rhetoricians, rhetoric, you know, that's why, um, yeah, popular rhetoric. Uh, and Paul is saying, hey, I am not one of those people. Our team is not one of these people who are just hired just to say some nice things. Uh, no, the sixth one is greedy pretext or extortion. The idea of extortion, I think of like, is basically coming in and taking the best stuff from it and then leaving, right? So it's, I think extortion has to do with money, but it also has to do uh, of this lust for power or, or sex or other things. And the seventh is praise of man, seeking good reputation from people's opinions. This is the, the naughty list. Uh, James 4.4 4 says, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes themselves an enemy of God. And I think that these are the things that can keep people from the purity of the gospel message. Fourteen years ago, in 2010, I think my math's correct, yeah? I had the privilege of going to India, the, the country of India, to the state of Bihar um, with this guy, Matt Papa. I think, I don't think he has hair anymore, but I have that in common. I'm getting thinner, you know. Um, we sing his song, His Mercy is More, sometimes. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a guy. And as I was preparing this message, I was really convicted, like, going through that list. Like, wouldn't any of us, right? Like, Wow. Um, I was convicted, though, um, about my struggle to have pure motives to share the gospel. And particularly, I remember this trip to India. This trip was meant to be an evangelistic thing. It was, it was we were going we to go and share the good news and also have medical missions. And, um, and apparently Bihar was like the grave. They called it the grave of the missionaries. Um, but I wanted to go because Matt Papa was going. And his band were going. And I remember secretly thinking, wow, maybe he'll ask me to join his band. <laughs> uh, I, I kept waiting for the moment where I could show off my skills, you know. And that moment never came. You know, I, I remember that when you do missions trips, it's, everything changes when you're there. And I remember just like, at one point we had to, it was like 120 degrees and we were just out there moving bricks. And I'm like, Dude, where's the guitar? You know, where am I? <laughs> where's my, doesn't he want me to join a band? Um, isn't that why he brought me here to India? Uh, so not only was I struggling with my motives, but I remember encountering God's holiness in a way that I had never before. So at the time, I was dating this girl on and off. And the last night that we were together, our team in India, the local pastors who, and these guys were, they had, literally been flogged for sharing the gospel in Bihar. These local pastors and the American team, that was us, we had a worship night in the hotel, and it was, it was wonderful. It was full of, like, you know, you heard, hear this expression in some circles, like a tangible presence, a thickness of God in the place. Um, but for me, I felt a huge weight of conviction 
that I needed to stop dating this girl. I needed to stop. I really, you know, I really liked her. It wasn't she wasn't the right person for me? But it was so strong, and I felt my heart was struggling so much that I was unable to enter into worship with my fellow brothers and sisters. But I thank God for that glimpse of His holiness, and I'm reminded of Isaiah before the throne of God. He's Isaiah gets plucked to. Uh, be a messenger for the Lord. And Isaiah's kind of like me. Yo, I got mixed motives, man. And uh, an angel from the throne grabs this hot coal and touches it upon the, the, the tongue and, and mouth of Isaiah. And he says, um, you, you, your lips have been made clean. You know, because Isaiah's like, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. So just like God and his holiness in India, perhaps God is speaking to you right now, maybe about something that you need to surrender to him in order that you might understand the purity of the gospel message and that you might be able to share it purely also. If that's you, you can find me or find Paul or find any person that you can confide in and after service, pray for together for deliverance and freedom in Christ by the power of the Spirit. And I did not end up marrying that girl. I don't know if you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, so when you have God's approval, you have no need for knots in your life. It's also a play on words because, you know, knots can tangle us up, right? So back to this image. This is our interlude or the distillation process of the apostolic team. What, apostolic just means sent. So uh, Timothy, Syl Silvanus, and Paul, they were sent um, and, and I'm just reminding us of the hardships that they had to go through to purify their message and the messengers. Last week, if you remember, we had a brother that I cannot repeat his name or the location where he went to, but we'll call him Brother K. Do you remember Brother K last week? Okay. If you don't, go back. Wait, go back and listen to it because you won't be able to see him. It's not on there. Are you all missed out a great opportunity. This this. Um, but he, he went to a region of the world to share uh, the good news. And um, our brother Kay, he was very similar to Paul and his sent team. Um, our brother Kay, he was sharing in our home group. This was amazing. Last Monday, he, he shared with our home group that he went to this place in the thick of pandemic. All right, you remember how crazy it was with the masks and all these things he had he's, he was sharing that somebody with literally with a hazmat suit picked him up from the airport put him in a hotel room and guess how long he was forced to quarantine oh yeah 30 it was 35 days 35 all right quarantine used to come from number four zero but now, like in the, in the United States, it, I mean, at that time, it was maybe four, 10, 14 days. I don't remember. It was moving all over the place. But can you imagine 35 days? And he showed us this picture of his hotel room. And I mean, it was probably like from here to that wall with a bed. And he had a window looking out. It was like a beautiful parking lot. <laughs> um, but 35 days waiting to share the message of the good news. Like what an amazing thing, right? And it brings me to tears. Like, how, what, what are we willing to wait for, right? He showed us a picture of his Bible, and he told us that he had to pace around a lot 
man, you probably did a lot of push-ups while you're there. I mean, what else are you going to do? Um, imagine the kind of heart that our brother Kay had to prepare. He didn't even, he wasn't even there. He hadn't even arrived. And God was already distilling his purity and his motives. Idea number three is the end product of holy distillation is pure love and the giving of your own life. The end product of holy, God's holy distillation process is pure love and the giving of your own life. In verse 7, I know it says in the ESV, gentle. There might be a footnote on that word gentle in verse 7. And it says children or infant. Um, I think infant, there's a lot of debate about what, which word it is. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's children. Um, it, Paul says, be, we became like children among you, which are, they can be gentle at times. But um, I think it's more about a purity and innocence. So Paul says, we became like children among you, like a nursing mother might cherish her own so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not just the gospel of our God, but our very lives, our very selves. Uh, because you had become so dear to us, so beloved. For you remember, brothers and sisters, our, our labor and our toil and the hardships. We worked day and night so that we wouldn't be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. So Paul tells the Thessalonians that he and Silas and brother Timmy loved them as purely as children and as intimately as a nursing mother loves and cherishes her own children like her own body. And I love this word, uh, cherish. Uh, Paul uses this and the word means to make warm. So cherish. And I've heard People say, oh, it's like when you, fan a f when you stoke a fire and you fan it into flame, you, that's part of you cherishing that fire. It's like getting it you know, hot. But I also love, and I've been inspired by Planet Earth recently, the, not the place, although it is very inspiring, but the show, um, Planet Earth. Uh, thanks, Violet. Um, I, I just made it up, I guess. I don't know. Um, but the, the, of these birds, right? These birds that are so sacrificial with their body. And so I think to cherish is also this idea of this a mother, hen, or, or, you know, who is kind of like nestling her eggs and her chicks and protecting them from the harsh wind and the cold. She's sacrificing her own body in order that the young ones will grow and be cared for and, uh, and not die. So Paul reminds the Thessalonians that he and his team were dedicated to them to the point where they labored day and night. This labor didn't just include work, but also enduring persecution. You'll find out in a couple weeks as we go through Thessalonians that there is a faction of Jews that were uh, really anti-gospel, and they persecuted Paul in Thessalonica and his followers to the point where they were forced out of the city. Um, so again, God uses the holy fire of persecution to distill his message and his messengers. 
One thing about this word martyr, and it's not here, but a martyr is, you know, we think of somebody who's given their life, even maybe died for the gospel, right, or some cause. But the word martyr actually means witness. It's the same word. So one who witnesses is, a, or to witness is to martureo, to, to, yeah, to witness. But it's also the word that we use for somebody who gets persecuted for the gospel. I think it's a, a very fitting thing to talk about. And I'm, I'm far from comparing myself to Paul and his team, but I just wanted to share some things. This is me 11 years ago, February 4th, uh, 2013. My math is so bad. Um, yeah, this is my first day at Solano. Um, some of you here remember that that day. Um, I, was, I was here very excited. Uh, I'd come from a, like a 2,000-person church. Um, and I was just like, oh, yeah, like a scrappy little team. You know, let's get, let's get this done. Very excited, very wide-eyed. And um, so, and then here, I'll show a couple more pictures. This is Paul Nunez's office currently. At, so this is a bunch of us. And do you recognize anybody in that picture? Yeah, Rob. Where are, where are you, Rob? There, yeah. Dude, Rob's OG. <laughs> no, Rob's been there since before day one. I remember, like, yeah, arriving at Jason's house and practicing with him. But so we didn't have a place to rehearse. Um, so we just piled everybody in that little teeny tiny office room. Um, we did our best. This is, you might recognize somebody also here. Violet. This is, I think, is also 11 years ago. I had the, back then, the deep V was in, you know. <laughs> oh. But yeah, Violet, we were helping. I think this is us rehearsing for um, the EFCA conference that we did in Concord. Um, yeah, and then, okay, I'm lost. This is fun. Sorry. Okay, so, okay, so yes. I'm no martyr by, like, Paul and... But when I, when I got to Solano, you know, I was used to a large church, and I had my own office. I, I could not, when I was here in that office, I could not make noise with my guitar. If I was playing acoustic guitar downstairs, at the time they've both been ousted by the many prayers of Miguel and Andrew. No, there was a chiropractor, and there was a masseuse. So can you imagine, yeah, like, how I had to literally be like a little mouse, like, tiptoeing. Um, so I would just practice on my electric guitar. And um, yeah, because they would come upstairs and knock on the door and be like, hey, I can hear everything you're doing. Please stop. I'm like, all right, all right, fine. Um, and, and I don't know if you know, but uh, we, we did pop-up church for more than eight years. But for me, it was eight years. How many years did we do pop-up church? Probably the first 12 of Solano-ish. Pop-up church, if you don't know, is like all of this that you see, these screens, there was, we had to build, we had to put it all in a truck. And then every day we'd have to, every Sunday we'd have to grab the truck. I don't know, Dave, you, you brought a truck driver. Glenn was a truck driver. Um, drive the truck to Ocean View uh, Elementary, unload the truck, get all sweaty, you know. And then we had, at the time, we had two services. And, um, you know, and, and I remember people like, yeah, Miguel, lead us to the throne of God, you know, and I'm like, <gasps> like sweaty, you know, um, I'm like, all right, you know, you need more of that, like uh, incense to cover the place. Um, 
So, uh, okay, eight years, right? And then finally we get this building um, where we are now. And that is a cherry picker that we somehow managed to get through those doors. I think Rob had to take them off along with uh, um, Todd. Todd, yeah. And, I mean, there was like two inches gap on, every, on each side of the door to get that thing through. And that was to, you know, put up these things and a bunch of other stuff. Um, so we got EC Campus ready. Yeah, EC Campus. Woohoo! Only to find out in a couple months. Do you remember what happened? It was COVID-19. <laughs> um, all right. So all this time, you know, God has been, you know, oh, yeah, that's a picture of Jeff DeFabio. We had to duplicate all of this stuff outside. Um, we had to get duplicate sound system. We had to get carts that we, yeah, all this stuff. It was a lot of work. So all, all of this to say, like, you know, again, I'm not comparing myself to Paul and Timmy and Silas, like, but God used this refining process in my life just for the technical stuff of music. We're not even talking about spiritual things. I'm just talking about like making noise, right? Um, so in my weakness and toil, I thank God for distilling his message. And I'm not, I'm not there, y'all. I'm not there. I'm not pretending like I'm all there. But yeah, God, I can attest to the fire of the Bunsen burner. <laughs> um, and God is distilling us. He's distilling us as a church. Uh, and I think that the end process will be really good. So idea number four, teamwork is necessary or required to live out a kingdom-worthy message. Teamwork is required to live out a kingdom-worthy message. In verse 10 of chapter 2, Paul says, You and God are witnesses. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct to you believers. So Paul is calling upon the testimony of God as witness. And he's reminding the Thessalonians that his team, big emphasis on the word team, included Silas and Timothy, were devout, were, were devout full of upright character, and blameless. Blameless kind of signifies there were no complaints against them. So, but what a legacy. Let's just pause and think about the legacy of this team, right? Uh, I, think, I think it's aspirational for any of us to, to have uh, a team like this. Um, so not only was Paul above reproach and marked by his integrity, but his whole team. How many of us can say that, right? That, I think that's a wonderful thing, the entire team. And I, I want to take this opportunity. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. It took me a long time to understand that Paul, the apostle, rarely worked alone, all right? I don't know if you, I grew up thinking, every time I heard about the apostle Paul, I was like, oh man, this guy's a superstar. Like, he is Shaq out there, like just alone. <laughs> or I don't know who's the, who's, John, who's a, who, like a basketball player that's kind of like the one guy? I don't know. Did you say what? <laughs> okay. Um, he, Paul was not a lone wolf, okay? He wasn't this lone 
gunslinging cowboy out on the wilderness, you know, like he, by himself on the frontier of missional work. He was not. He was rarely like that. Um, Paul had a team. He always had a team of collaborators. And in this case, it was Silas and Timothy. And I want to really emphasize how remarkable this whole team was to be full of unity and exemplary character uh, for the church in in Thessalonica, embodying, really embodying the gospel message. Um, I think part of that came from their, the three of them, their understanding of the critical nature of the mission. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they all three understood that their mission was to expect peril and require deep and singular focus. So Solano, who do we have Silas's and Timothy's in our life? People who will help you stay mission focused. People that will sharpen your integrity. People that will call you to holiness. Right? Who are the Silas's and the Timothy's in our lives? Paul did not do it alone, and neither can we. So don't silo yourself. And if you're doing the Christian walk alone, it's time to find some people to help you run instead of walking. And if you're leading a ministry, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Oh, yeah. The walk of a Christian can turn into a run with the right company. And in any team, you're only as strong as your weakest link. I was thinking of, of, of you know, well, I was actually thinking of those. <laughs> if one, you know, there's, there's chains holding up these speakers. Thankfully, there's three chains. But if there was only one, how many link does it take for that thing to fall? Or how many weak links does it take for that to fall? Just one, right? Thankfully, there's three, and you know there's some safety. And don't look too closely, guys. <laughs> no. um, that's why I put Rob a little bit further back there. <laughs> no. um, away from the, the fall, yeah. But yeah, man, this is important, right? This is important. Uh, I've I've been a, a team player. For a long time, um, it's called. They're called bands, and um, my whole life, right? I've been. I'm more of a band guy. Uh, I'm not really a lone wolf kind of guy. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have that um, killer instinct or something. But the the best teams and bands that I've been with are the ones where every member is bringing their best. Right? Doesn't matter the size of the venue the ease of the songs or the complexity of them, you want to partner with people who will bring their whole self to your team, right? Well, that was Paul and Timothy and Silas, an inspirational trio. Paul continues in verse 10. He says, For you know, like a father with his own, toward his own children, we exhorted each one of you, and encouraged and charged each one of you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own glory and his kingdom. So un- unlike the, the naughty list, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that they 
didn't need to shrink back from sharing the whole truth of the gospel. And, uh, and not only that, that, but Paul and his team, they, they come alongside. And, and this is a, a word, same use for the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us. And um, yeah, this team is one who uh, was reminded the Thessalonians, who reminds us to have to walk in a, in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. So what is this kingdom worthy walking? Well, I, I, I mean, there's so, so much to it, but just in what we've ta- been talking about, the, the number one thing is like Jesus is the one who's calling us, right? Walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you to his own. It is... When we, when we have our gaze fixed on Jesus and we understand that he is the one, the caller, then we understand Jesus has not just the authority sitting at the right hand of the Father, but in Hebrews it calls, he is, uh, Hebrews it says that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he'll, he will come back to bring vindication and judgment. Not just that, but he modeled it himself. Jesus went to the cross to, to share the gospel message, to live the gospel message. He is the gospel. Uh, a kingdom-worthy walk is one that endures hardship. Uh, just as Jesus endured hardship on the way and at the cross, I love this Bonhoeffer quote. Um, it says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And it may be a physical death, but it's probably more often than not a spiritual death of the flesh and the old man dying. Hardships are the holy distillation of process of God's refining love. A kingdom-worthy walk is finally uh, one that understands its mission or its direction, right? If we just walk, we're going to be aimless and wandering. But when we understand our mission... Uh, we will have focus. Um, just as Jesus was sent into the world, Paul and Timothy and Silas were sent. We are also sent. Um, and we're not meant to live for the things of earth, but for heaven and God's will. Uh, we are ambassadors of heaven in this broken world. So how, how is God asking you to respond today? What part of the distillation process are you in? Uh, And the reality is we're all in it all the time, right? There's depths of our sanctification process that God is doing. And, you know, it's not like we're all in this little blue, what do you call that, beaker? Yeah. Um, We're not... Part of us is there, and in, in Christ, we are there in heaven, you know, it says. But we're, this is the journey of life. And, and yeah, who are you going to do that with? So partner up with people. Um, let me pray for us, and um, we'll keep worshiping God. Uh, Father, thank you for, um, yeah, this remarkable team, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, Lord, and I'm just reminded of that verse where a threefold, threefold cord is not easily broken. And Lord, uh, if we have been lone 
rangers out there, um, God, I pray that you would help us to link arms uh, with people. Uh, Lord, if we are a weak link on the chain, would you galvanize us with the power of your Holy Spirit and harden us, Lord, so that we become strong and, and able to bear the weight of following you, of proclaiming your gospel and living it out more importantly. Um, Lord, for, for any of us who you are calling to release something in their life because it's weighing us down, Lord, would you, it says that your kindness leads us to repentance, God. We, would we not feel condemnation or judgment, Lord, but a holy fire that is, um, that is full of joy, God, um, that in the death that will come from that decision um, will be life in, in the Spirit. And uh, Lord, so many different ways that you could be moving now. And I just ask that, you, that we would pause to be able to, to step into that, however you call us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Miguel. So glad.